Hello and welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan, and in this program, we all discover jazz, old and new, together by listening to a wide array of selections, exploring different jazz styles and topics related to jazz, we'll learn more about what it is, what it isn't, how it's developed, and what we can listen for to enhance our experience. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. Today, part two of my chat with a youth jazz group out of Peterborough, most of whom are still in high school. We celebrate them because it is youth taking up this art, who are going to keep it as a living and growing thing. LMJC play a lot around town. At the Garnet on Saturdays, the Market, Hot Belly Mama's Restaurant, and various other places through the week. It consists of four, sometimes five, instrumentalists who play mostly jazz standards on bass, piano, saxophone, drums, and sometimes trumpet when she's available. Let's start by playing some jazz by one of the artists who have influenced this group, or at least the sax player, Darby White York. And who are your greatest inspirations, Darby? Okay, I have uh, a couple. Um, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, Monin, because that's just a great place. Um, someone I recently heard of, uh, uh, what's his name again? Yes, Hank Mobley. Oh, he's wicked on the saxophone. And those are like my biggest influences on your music. I'm going to end today's show with Monin, but I think Hank Mobley would be a great start to today's program. Hank Mobley was a great player, described by some as a middleweight of the tenor because he wasn't as aggressive as John Coltrane or as mellow as Stan Getz, but somewhere in the middle. He was known for some very melodic playing which you can hear from this track from an album that was given a 10 out of 10 in the All Music website. It's called Dig Dis. Hank Mobley. Thank you. 
That's Hank Mobley on tenor sax, Art Blakey on drums, Paul Chambers, bass, and Wynton Kelly on piano. Dig this. From 1960, an album called Soul Station. This is Discovering Jazz. And last week, I spoke to each of the members of LMJC, also known as the Luxury Mammals Jazz Collective, asking them about how they became inspired to become jazz musicians. But I ran out of time before I got to the piano player, Ian Webster. Let's hear from him now. Speaking to me from their venue of Hot Belly Mama's Restaurant. And you'll hear Ian playing just a little bit in the background. Ian! Yeah, all right. So uh, tell me about your inspirations in your musical history and what made you get into jazz specifically. Right, so I'll just give background on like how I started with music. Um, as a little kid, when I was four, um, my mom put me in lessons. I took that for like 10 years, and I didn't enjoy it very much because it was very practice-oriented. Um, practicing classical, which I didn't enjoy much. Um, but in grade 10, which was uh, just two years ago, um, I discovered Claude Debussy's uh, Claire de Lune, and I started playing more freely, and I enjoyed that a lot more than practicing classical, um, even though it's still a classical piece. Yeah, I gotta say, yeah, that's what really led me to playing because I wanted to, and not because I had to. How so come? Like, what was it specifically about Claire de Lune? It, well, it was a rubato piece, so you could, you know, just ignore time and just play the notes how you felt and, you know, put emotion into your playing. And I started playing with more emotion instead of, like, practice regimen. I love that image of using music to help us ignore time. Here is part of a version of Claude Debussy's Claire de Lune by British pianist Paul Crossley. So how does a person go from learning classical music and transition into jazz? I ask you. I mean, you play some amazing jazz piano. I mean, the riffs <laughs> you throw in there are incredible. Mm-hmm. How did you get from Claire de Lune to that? <laughs> right. So I have to say, like, Chris and Aaron were definitely great inspiration to me. Chris, in particular, um, he has a really wide knowledge base on you know piano theory and just theory in general so he was just showing me how to do these voicings for different chords and I picked them up pretty quickly practiced those um, and we started playing with the group and that's what really made me want to practice more and yeah any particular favorite jazz pianists uh, I just got to say Bill Evans because that's what I listen to the most. Okay. Yeah. And Peace Peace is probably one of my favorite pieces, you know? <laughs> one of the first jazz pieces I ever heard, too. Oh, yeah. Peace Peace. Mm-hmm. Peace Peace is amazing. It's beautiful. 
first recorded in 1958. Here is Bill Evans with Peace Peace, spelled P-E-A-C-E-P-I-E-C-E.
so beautiful. Bill Evans, peace, peace. Let's hear some more from Chris Parnas, the bass player. And it appears the main catalyst in getting this group, LMJC, started. And we'll hear about one of his many influences. So in terms of bass, Christopher, who are your inspirations? Um, funnily enough, I'd say, uh, I'd say for electric, my inspiration is, like electric bass, my inspiration is very much uh, Christian McBride's upright bass work, which is interesting. Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> but yeah, as much as I'd like to just uh, take the usual route and just say Jocko, really, like, what, what interests me in bass uh, is is the cool stuff that I hear like Chris McBride do on operate. Well, that leads me to want to play something with the jazz musician who most inspires me these days. He's 93 years old and still touring. His name is Bob Dora. Here he is with Christian McBride on bass plus Billy Hart on drums. This is Walk On, co-written by another great bassist, Leroy Vinegar. Meets a woman, dynamite won't budge. It's a classic kind of confrontation, and the winner, well, you can be the judge. with my baby feature this most every time I stop to ask her for a kiss she'd say Don Juan I think we'd best walk on someone should have told me to bring a bike for how was I to know that it would be more like a marathon every time she'd say walk on She lifted her eyes to the stars in the skies And spoke of a cottage to share But when I said, darling, this talking about love Is not getting us anywhere She said, now honey, I know you'd like to swing Well, here's a little finger that could use a ring Then came the dawn I said, we'd best walk With my baby and I'm doing fine If I just told the mark each time she draws the line That line was drawn Every time she'd say walk on A nightingale decided to sing along And how did she react to that romantic song A stifled yawn Translation, just walk on She gazed once again at the moon up above And spoke of a love that could last I tried to remind her this talking about love Was getting us nowhere and fast I finally got so antsy I made my move If this is a commitment, she said, we can groove Thereupon, 
I said we'd best walk on slipped away and the stars faded fast on her face was a look of resign i know it's the 90s she whispered at last so will it be your place or mine she covered me with kisses that left no doubt i'd finally worn her down but that had worn me out i said doggone i guess we best walk on so we did walk on into the blazing dawn. We just walked on. The great bass work of Christian Mc ride playing with Bob Dora. Last week, talked about Steely Dan as being an early inspiration for LMJC's bass player, Chris Parnas. But what inspired Chris to get so into music in a serious way? And then jazz. I first started uh, properly with music, other than like playing saxophone in like grade 7 and 8. I, the first time I really got into music was producing electronic music in like from like grades 9 to 11, I'd say. Because uh, it was composition and really cool, and I could just kind of make whatever I wanted, and like, and just all by myself, I could make together just these I don't know, sprawling tracks, even if I didn't always have enough ideas to make them properly sprawling. Uh, so that was really cool. And as it went on, the I started to get more of a grasp on music theory and how the chords were went together, and the chords started to get more complex. And then all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was more thinking jazz wise. <laughs> Uh, and then and, again, yeah. what was it, two summers ago, you brought out your album? Oh god, that was awful. Uh, oh, that was awful. Down. <laughs> an oh, album? Yeah. yeah, no, I put out an album a little while ago because I wanted to see if I could make one in like over just the course of a summer. And I mean, I could. That didn't mean it was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was actually, some of it was yeah. pretty good. Some of it was good. Some of it was god awful. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and so I was into electronic music for a while. And then I started, uh, when I started really playing the bass a lot was uh, when I started playing with my dad. Because uh, he, uh, Mark Parnas, he's an awesome jazz pianist. And he's really fun to play with because he has so many interesting ideas for going through songs. <laughs> uh, and so that's why I really started picking up jazz and getting really into that. Started working on that. Started taking lessons with Mike Graham, uh, who's an amazing guitarist. That guy is awesome. Uh, and then worked with these folks. Started to band lead this group, get stuff together, you know. And... Uh, yeah, plus I ended up learning how to how to theoretically play jazz piano by teaching Ian. Because <laughs> yeah. you didn't know the voicings, and I didn't either, but I had Google, so, uh, you know, <laughs> the rest is history. Very creative. So Chris mentioned Mike Graham, a fine guitarist who plays a lot in the Peterborough area. 
Here's something by Mike Graham and the Funksters from 2012, featuring Mike Graham on guitar, Bo Dixon on keyboards, Andrew Affleck on bass, and John Clemenhadge drumming. He calls this the big one.
One bass player who has influenced many of today's bass players is a man who died at a very young age and was an integral part of the Bill Evans trio. Let's hear from Chris. But then when it comes to like upright bass and even more freer forms of jazz, my inspiration 100% is, is Scott LaFaro. Uh, his version of Alice in Wonderland is just... It just makes me feel so many emotions every time I hear it, and it's just gorgeous. And he, and it's like he doesn't care about the song at all because, like, you, I, I don't know. The way that he plays his bass line is it goes from, it goes from maybe just simple roots on beat one to like to all the way up to thumb position playing like weird quarter note triplets and just offbeat rhythms and everything. And it's great because he just did so many strange, odd things that sounded so gorgeous. And I've never heard a note from Scott LaFaro that I didn't absolutely love.
Bill Evans with bassist Scott LaFaro and Paul Motian on drums. You're listening to Discovering Jazz coming through the studios of Trent Radio, CFFF. My name is Larry Sademan. And today we're talking to a youth jazz group out of Peterborough, LMJC. Let's talk to Aaron and find out how he got involved playing jazz. I am the drummer. How I got into jazz, as Chris explained earlier, was uh, we started hanging out earlier, and then eventually, after a few months of hanging out, uh, yeah, Chris was like, jazz. And so he, he kind of uh, aggressively convinced me to uh, join the Steve Holt cars. <laughs> My drumming at that point was like I knew how to keep the bass, uh, the, the bass rhythmic like side of jazz, just like or like whatever you want. I would be able to do that, but like it wasn't embellished at all. It wasn't like developed, if that makes any sense. It was like uh, you could hear it and just move along from it, but it wasn't jazzy. <laughs> Um, so, but eventually, one day I woke up and I started playing drums just at, like a few weeks into the Seafold course, and it just started sounding jazzy, and I was like, this is cool, and then I just started practicing it more and more, and now I'm like really happy with the sound, so that's basically how I got into jazz, and that was only this year, actually, oh, no, early, or uh, late 2016, early 2017, yeah. And considering Aaron's youth and his drumming style, here's a rather surprising Canadian influence. Oh, and as an aside, Steve Holt, who Aaron has been mentioning, is a um, is a jazz pianist who uh, has been doing a lot of teaching in Peterborough. And last week I did play something by Steve Holt. I recently went to a performance of Steve Holt and uh, the drummer Terry Clark was there. It was very traditional jazz drumming and like it's not my favorite type of drumming. But, like, I have to say, it gave me so many new ideas, and it, like, even though, like, he didn't, like, say anything to me, or I didn't, like, talk to him at all, I still got so much just by listening to him. And if if a drummer can do that to me, then I like them. <laughs> and this is the recently deceased and amazing guitarist Jim Hall with Canadian drummer, the man that uh, Aaron was talking about, Terry Clark. Thank you. 
I promised you I'd end with another favorite of LMJC, the Luxury Mammals Jazz Collective. Darby, the saxophonist, talked about him and about this tune at the beginning of today's program. Here is Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, with Art Blakey on drums, Lee Morgan playing trumpet, Benny Golson on tenor sax, Jaime Merritt on bass, and the tune's composer, Bobby Timmons, on piano. I'm going to play most of this tune. Might have to fade it out at the end. It's called Monin, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers from 1958.
You've been listening to Discovering Jazz, broadcast through the studios of CFFF Trent Radio in Peterborough, Ontario. I'm Larry Sademan. Next week, a whole program on Thelonious Monk, celebrating 100 years since his birth with monk expert Michael Morse. Bye for now. <laughs>